study. Um, this morning we will have a time, a special time as a congregation to ordain Andy Guastafero as a pastor here within our church and an elder. And so um, the layout for this morning is that, is that I, will, I will preach in Acts chapter 20 and the elders will come forward and pray for, for Andy and then Andy will have um, some minutes to share as well at the end. And so, um, and every minute as of this point will be precious. So let's, let's pray and we'll be in Acts chapter 20. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful to be here on this morning, Lord. What a glorious morning it is as a church body. Um, we are so thankful for the cross. We're thankful for this great salvation in which you have saved us with and the gospel that enables us to have all of our sins removed and your righteousness in their stead and, and to be able to spend eternity with you as a part of your family and it's all by grace. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for the church. We thank you for the way in which you construct the church and you bring the church together, Lord. And you gift us in all different kinds of ways so that we could be built up, so that we could be encouraged and edified and so we could be as fruitful as possible as we minister one to another. And we thank you for a day like today where we are able to see a work that you've accomplished at our church um, for the blessing of us all. And we praise you for that. I pray that, that every part of this morning would exalt you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We find in, in, in Scripture that that God gifts people in all different kinds of ways. And he does it because he desires for us to minister one to another and for the local body of Christ to function as a body where when one member suffers, we all suffer with it. And we, we function in such a way that we are caring for one another and teaching one another and exhorting one another and loving one another and praying for one another and Every one of us has gifts that have been entrusted to us. It's gifts that God has given us. And it's not simply for ourselves, but it's for those that you see around you. And as a church, we, we find the, the office of, of pastor and elder within our church to be one in which... We make every effort to approach it very biblically. What does God call elders and pastors to do within the church? And you find it in First Timothy, I'll just read this to you. In chapter 3, it gives a, a description of what a pastor and an elder is to be. This is a faithful saying, verse 1 of First Timothy chapter 3. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. As the elders of Reverence Bible Church, we, we find it not to be our job to, 
to appoint elders or to make elders or pastors within the church. Um, that, that, that's not our, our job. At all. Our, our job is to identify those that God has placed within our church that are gifted in such a way. And we have watched the life of Andy Guastafaro for several years now, and this, the ordination process for him has taken place over the last couple of years, and we find him to meet all the qualifications as a pastor and elder within our church. Um, the calling of pastor and elder is a high calling and one in which should be approached with a great deal of reverence and care. We find the heart of the Apostle Paul revealed in, in Acts chapter 20, where you hear him addressing a group of elders within the church there in Asia. And it begins in verse 18 of, of Acts chapter 20. And we'll look at, at this text before us this morning. It begins by saying, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. You know the way in which I lived, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul begins in this section by saying, you watched how I lived. From the first day, you've, you've watched how I always lived amongst you serving the lord with all humility with many tears trials which happened to me by the plotting of the jews you hear the heart of of the pastor here as he's as he's speaking of his ministry how he served and paul says it was one of serving the lord with all humility with humility there's such a fearful thing in coming up and being behind this pulpit or serving as an elder here within this church. The desire within our hearts isn't to preach a sermon that you will like. The desire is to preach a sermon that God would like to preach his word, to be an ambassador of Christ, to proclaim his word, to rightly divide his word, to care for the flock that is before us in such a way that it's, it's biblical, it's handled carefully. We're not trying to do our own thing or create a cool church or create an environment that people want to be in. It's just what does God call us to do here as a church? And how are we to function? And, and a desire just to, to have Christ work through us, knowing that we will fail. But every ounce of us desiring to serve him, knowing that it is not us, it's him. 
with humility. I, I'm very well aware that there is nothing that I can say that can change hearts. It's God that change heart, changes hearts. I, I can't do it. I, I proclaim his word, and we as pastors here proclaim his word, knowing that it doesn't return void, but it falls sometimes on hard hearts. Or there's sin that's there that, that, that just keeps God's word from piercing anything. And, and, and to know that God is able to have his word be such that it's sharper than any two-edged sword that can pierce hearts and that can do that and that can change my life and that can change your life, knowing that it is God that does that work. It's God that accomplishes that work. And so Paul begins by saying, I serve him with all humility. Humility. Apart from him, we cannot do anything. Not anything. Not only that, but you hear his heart when he says, not only that, but I... I serve the Lord with, with many tears. With many tears. It's a heart of a pastor who loves the congregation, who loves the sheep that's there, who loves those that have been placed under his care. In, in, in a few verses, in Acts 20, 31, it says, he says, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He's not just speaking in such a way to, to get a reaction. He says, you know, for three years, I wept with you. For three years, my heart went out to you where I did not cease to warn you and to care for you and to teach you, but with, with tears. May that be the elders within our church, a love and care for one another. And maybe that, may that be the way that we respond to one another here as we use the gifts that God's given us. A heart that genuinely loves each other, genuinely loves truth, genuinely, genuinely wants to warn of, of, of going in directions that will lead people astray. And he says, in trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, he went through all kinds of trials. And how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. I kept back nothing that was helpful. You hear Paul exhort Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 where he says to him, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Be an example. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Hear his heart here? There's going to be a laying on of hands of the elders on Timothy, and, 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 it, and it says, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them to them entirely with everything that you 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 have give yourself entirely to these things take heed to yourself and to the doctrine continue in them for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you and that would be an exhortation to andy this morning give yourself entirely 
to these things. Doctrine. Exhortation. Your conduct. Continue in them. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. You find him speaking also to Timothy saying, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly, properly teaching God's word. As he's speaking here in Acts 20, he's saying, you've watched me. I kept back nothing that was helpful. But rather, I proclaimed it to you. I taught you. I taught you publicly. And from house to house. I went from house to house ministering to you and encouraging you and teaching you doctrine and publicly. A heart that that says doctrine matters. What God says in his word matters. Speaking it and being being one who, who rightly divides his word and proclaims it and teaches it in such a way that we as a congregation learn it. A few verses down, he said, speaking of his ministry, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I never stopped, I never pulled back from you as far as declaring to you the whole counsel of God. His word in its entirety, I preached, I taught, I encouraged you in it. I didn't, I didn't pull back from things that you wouldn't want to hear or things that, that would have made you feel uncomfortable. Rather, I just I preached the whole counsel of the word of God to you. And that's what we are called to do as a church. In verse 28 of Acts 20, he says, take, Therefore take heed to yourself and to the flock, to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The power of God's word makes it very clear that as elders here within the church, that the Holy Spirit makes elders overseers within the church. It's not something that we strive for. It's not that, that any one of us gets to a position where it's like, okay, you've graduated now, or you finally arrived, or you've done the right things, or we like you a lot, or, or you'll be a yes man, you'll say what we want you to say, or any of those things. It's, it's looking and saying, does he meet the qualifications based on Timothy and Titus? Does he meet the qualifications based on Scripture? And have we prayerfully approached this in such a way that we see that the Holy Spirit has done this so that he will properly oversee and shepherd the flock of God that's here, that's been entrusted to us. Um, scripture's so clear on these things. And here Paul's saying, I kept back nothing that was helpful. I proclaimed it to you. I taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. The message that was proclaimed is repentance and faith in Christ. A turning of direction from your sin and the direction that you're going to follow Christ and and your faith solely in the work of Christ and what he's accomplished for the cross, on, on, through the cross, it's the gospel. His sins, our sins placed upon him and his righteousness placed upon us that comes by faith alone and Christ alone to the glory of God alone. Paul's saying, 
That is what I proclaimed. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaiming the word. Recognizing that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Calling people towards repentance. You hear it where to Timothy, as Paul's speaking to Timothy, he charges him in the same way. He says, I charge you there before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. What an awesome, awesome thing for Paul to say to young Timothy as he's becoming an elder, as he's becoming a pastor, as he's going to serve in his ministry. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. Meaning, this is serious. Like This isn't to be approached lightly. We don't look for people that are good storytellers. We don't look for people that are dynamic. We look for people who, who God has appointed and the calling is a serious and it's a holy calling. He will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Go through and preach the word. Make it so that this is what we preach. This is what we teach. And I pray to God that that will be what takes place now until the Lord returns here at this church. May we never be those that try to create a message that people will simply want to hear something where, where itching ears are wanting to hear these particular things and so we stay away from other things because it's not politically correct or, or our culture doesn't like it or anything else, but rather we faithfully, continuously preach the word and raise up people within this congregation that God calls to faithfully, always, consistently preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And that's what God's called us towards. You hear now where he says in Acts 20, verse 22, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The first time I met Andy was in in Africa. Um, I had been a part of, of in meeting the, the president of, of, of Sudan. And, and in, in meeting the president of Sudan, I thought, he's, he was sitting there saying, saying to me, like, there's, there's no you know, persecution towards Christians in Sudan. And, and we, it, this country is free. And, and all I'm thinking is, like, I've been here dozens of times, and I see the shrapnel on the kids' faces, and I see the churches that are bombed, and, and I see the starvation that's created, and I see the, the areas where you take people into slavery, and I watch what's happening. This country has the, one of the strongest Sharia laws out of any country in the world, and you're telling me that, that we are, people are free? And so I said to him, like, 
So people are free to hear about other religions? Yes. So, so if, if I wanted to, to come here and to tell people about Jesus, I could do that. Yes, you're free. Could, could I bring a Christian soccer team to play against your national team in your national stadium? Yes, it is no problem. Because in my mind, I thought, like, how can I fill a stadium? I'm in Khartoum. I'm, I'm like in like one of the most hardcore places in the world. How do I fill a stadium? And all I thought was soccer. <laughs> Sorry, that's where my brain goes. Like, I mean, as far as like, you know, let's say, like, yeah. We're not going to do like a, the, if you're going to fill a stadium in, in anywhere but here, you, you, <laughs> you play soccer is what you do. And so I just thought soccer. And he said, yes, you're free. So the next morning in the paper, there at the hotel, the paper comes in, and a picture of me shaking someone's hand, the president's hand, and it says, America is bringing a professional soccer team to play our national team. And so I came home and saw some of my old coaches. I'm like, we've got to put together a good team, like a really good team. <laughs> We're playing in, South Sudan, or in, in, in North Sudan. And so we put together this team, and we went and played games in, in South Africa and then Mozambique, and then we went up and played in in Sudan. And prior to going into Sudan, um, well, point is, Andy played on that team. Andy was a professional soccer player, played for the U.S. national football team, phenomenal soccer player. Um, and, uh, and so he was on that team. And, and we, we, we connected right away. I mean, just, it was, it was, it was sweet. And uh, I was, was talking with the entire team, but said, there is no guarantee that you will come home from this trip. You got to know that. Like, we are going into Khartoum, they knew six months ago that we were coming. There's no true borders in this country. Every known terrorist group is in there. Our U.S. Embassy said that. Every known terrorist group is in this country. Um, they know a Christian team is coming. They, they, they have had time to prepare. But this is what God has done to make it so that I truly believe that he's called us to do this. Here's the doors that he's opened, and I believe that he's called us to go here, but none of you have to go. And if you do go, you need to write a letter to your family that gets left here in South Africa in case you don't return. And every guy had to write that letter. Some people decided that there was, there was some that did not want to go. Um, there's some that bailed out before they, they even started the trip. But Andy wanted to go. And we, we, we watched God work in the most miraculous ways. I mean, being there and having someone come up to us and come up to me at halftime saying, are you one of the coaches, and I said, yes, and they said, I know what you're trying to do. I'm a Christian, but I'm in charge of the television program that's playing this game over all of Africa, all of the Middle East, Western Europe, and a considerable part of Asia. It's being played live right now, and it's being played on Islamic channels. Would you preach the gospel if I gave you an interview at halftime? And I said, he said, I'm a Christian. They don't know I'm a Christian. They will kill me. But would you preach the gospel if I give you <laughs> an interview at halftime? And I said, absolutely. And we did. We preached the gospel at halftime over international television. We saw God open up doors on that trip that were just absolutely miraculous. And we ended up tying the team the team played, didn't even know that that took place at halftime. But I'll tell you, that ride home on that bus to our hotel was the most incredible worship I think I've ever experienced. 
of the faithfulness of our God. But this passage that says, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Um, A heart that says, even if that were to happen, I will go. Here, Paul says, none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Part of finishing the race with joy is, is being faithful to the ministry that he had received from the Lord Jesus. The joy in it all was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God no matter what happened. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To believe that that God's word does not return void and that there's power in it. And as you proclaim the gospel, there's people who hear it. And there's people surely over over those, those millions of people that were watching that particular game and heard the gospel at that particular time, the word Holy Spirit had the ability to work in their hearts to cause eyes that were blind to be able to see and to, and to hear the gospel and see their sin and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. And so Paul is saying, I don't care what happens to me. Change and tribulations await me, but it doesn't move me, and I don't count my life dear to myself because I want to finish my race with joy, which is testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. It's the most important thing to me. And that's what we believe God has called each and every one of us to. We see here the faithfulness of God in calling elders within the church, instructing them in how they are to proclaim the gospel and what they are to do, and that is to preach the word. We recognize Andy Guastafaro is, is meeting the requirements of that, and so today we joyfully desire to pray for him and to welcome him within our church as one of our elders and pastors. So I'd like to invite Andy and Heidi and Gracie Ellie, why don't you guys come on up? Um, and they have, they have more kids. They have lots. Um, Lucas and Eliza and Sebastian, why don't you guys come on up too? And I'd like to invite the elders to come up, and we're going to pray for Andy. You'll, re- you'll recognize it. The reason why we do this is it's consistent with Scripture as far as the laying on of the hands of those that are called to this particular position by the elders within the church. And so we do that this morning. I find this to be an awesome thing and something that will be a great blessing to all of us here. So let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for the kindness of your Holy Spirit and the way in which you work to bring each and every person here to our church, gifting us in all different kinds of ways, but specifically to be able to call Andy Guastafaro to a position of being a pastor here at our church and an elder. We've watched the way he loves our church and he cares for the flock and he ministers to them. We've seen tears over the congregation and we've watched him be so faithful to the gospel We've seen his life to be consistent with what you've called him to in Timothy and Titus and and how you've instructed us to identify elders, and we thank you that we see that in him. I pray that that there would be so much fruit that comes from his life and in his ministry and that there would be zero compromise on proclaiming the word and preaching it and, and, 
and exhorting and encouraging and loving and caring for the sheep and proclaiming the good news here and abroad. Lord, may, may that be that which bleeds through him, Lord, in every way imaginable. I pray that, that we as a congregation would be a great blessing to him and to his family and encouragement to them all as we love on them and care for them and, and are so willing to receive ministry from Andy um, throughout all of his years of being here, Lord. And we just praise you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would um, cause him to have great humility and steadfastness in the doctrines of Scripture, faithful unto them until you return or until you take him home. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for his family, his extended family who's here, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that, um, that we would just see you work in mighty, mighty ways, and we will give you all the glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Since then, including Grace Yellow, who is about three and a half weeks old. My mother-in-law, Janice, and my sister-in-law, Christina, they initially came out with us uh, for a few months so that Christina could receive treatment at the City of Hope as she had been recently diagnosed with cancer as a 19-year-old at that time. And during this time of incredible change and life events, this body of believers has comforted, has challenged, has equipped, and has encouraged us to grow in our faith and to grow in an understanding of the greatness of our God. And all this through the many joys and trials of life. And I've witnessed the same thing in the lives of so many here in this room this morning. If I could sum up the great joy and privilege it is to serve, I would sum it up with one word, thankfulness. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this body. And ultimately, I'm thankful for our ever-faithful God who is so powerfully at work among us here at Reverence and for the commitment that this church has to walking in unity for the glorious purposes of Christ. And this morning, in the few minutes that I have to share with you, I would like to encourage you from Ephesians chapter 4, which addresses the church, calling us to this very purpose, to walk together united in Christ and to to walk together united for Christ and for the glorious purposes that he has given us as a church. So in Ephesians 4, if you turn there, I'll begin with verse 1. Paul writes, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is a turning point in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters deal with our calling as believers in Christ. And now Paul is pleading that the believers walk in a manner that is consistent with that calling. The calling Paul is writing about here is our position in Christ, granted to us by the work of Christ, which is based entirely upon his unmerited favor, his mercy, and his grace. We see this so evidently in chapter 1 of Ephesians, that we've been granted every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, predestined as adopted sons, redeemed by the blood of Christ, forgiven of our sins, given an eternal inheritance and sealed with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing that inheritance that is to come. We've been granted all things good in Christ, and this is not of our own doing whatsoever. It is all because of God's favor, his mercy, and his grace. But this calling does not end with our position in Christ individually. We've also been called into something that goes far beyond ourselves. We've been brought into the household of God, the church. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2. We were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now have been brought near by the blood of Christ and are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's brought us into the church as his people. And it is in view of our position in Christ and our placement in God's church that Paul earnestly pleads with the church that they would endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, to actively, intentionally pursue unity in the body. And there's nothing that could unite us more than the Spirit of God through the finished work of Christ in each and every one of our lives. This is what unites us. And it ought to radically impact how we view one another, how we relate to one another, how we love one another, how we serve one another as a local body of believers. We're diverse in this body. We have those who are wealthier and those who are poorer. We have those uh, age range of three weeks to, I think, 95 is our full age range here at this body. We have different races represented, people of different religious and family upbringings Yet we are one body in Christ, and we are held together by Christ. As we see in the next several verses of chapter 4, we have been united for a distinct purpose that all may grow in Christ, which is fulfilled when every part of the body does its share. We see this in verse 15, skipping ahead a summary verse of this portion addressing unity in the church, if you will, that speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. In love, when every part does its share, growth happens. And we see and we know from Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, that this increase, this growth is from God. It is his power at work in and through each of us here. Christ has purposed that individual believers would use their gifts for the spiritual benefit of all. Every believer is to be equipped for the work of ministry, for the growth, the maturity, and the spiritual protection of the entire body. This is one of the great purposes of the church that we are to be united in. The work of ministry is not for a few, but it is the work of all, and it is for the spiritual benefit 
of all. It is the benefit of you. It is for the benefit of me. And ultimately, it is for the glory of God that every part does its share. May this be an encouragement to the many saints here who have selflessly labored for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his body. Every person, every calling, every spiritual gift is just as important as the next. Christ has made us his instruments. He has called us to be a part of something that is greater than ourselves because he has called us into the glorious purposes of Christ here on earth through this church. I've seen this played out so powerfully in the children's ministry where I've spent most of my time Our aim with children's ministry is to provide a safe and loving environment where Christ and his gospel would be treasured in the hearts of every one of our children. I've witnessed so many in the body with varying gifts and varying callings come together to fulfill this mission in such a sweet way. From Ronnie and his cleaning crew, making sure the facility is clean each week and each month, to Steve checking on and removing hazards from the classroom so that the classrooms are safe to Debbie using her administrative gifts, to keeping the parents, the teachers, and volunteers organized and informed, to Tony and his crew of children's ministry safety workers who ensure that the classrooms and the perimeter of the building are safe during Sunday services, Angela Shea and Heidi who are there each morning, each Sunday morning, putting together crafts and activity sheets, resourcing the teachers so that they have what they need so that these children could learn and grow. We have all the teachers, many, many teachers' assistants who serve by supporting all the needs of the classroom, whatever those needs are and whatever the teacher's needs are. And all of this so that the teachers can focus unhindered on proclaiming the truths of Scripture and investing into the lives and hearts of these children. And then the kids graduate from children's ministry and are mentored, discipled, and instructed and poured into by Pastor Jeff and his team of faithful leaders. And of course, we have preaching from the pulpit, equipping moms and dads week after week that they may grow in their own walk, that they may more faithfully bring up their children in the instruction of the Lord. We have newly formed community groups where parents can personally interact with the truths of Scripture and its applications in life. And all of this is so critical that we might see every single child treasure Christ above everything else in the world. This is what one little child has to look forward to at reverence. This is what little Graciella, three weeks old, this is what she has to look forward to here at reverence. And and this is just a small snapshot, if you can imagine, of a body that is united in Christ and united for the purposes of Christ. And we could give example after example of faithful servants who are serving in various ministries united together for the glorious purposes of Christ. Have we arrived as a church? Of course not. But I'm thankful to be serving in a body that is committed to walking in unity for Christ's glorious purposes for the church. And I pray that as a church, we would not only continue in this way, but that we would more faithfully walk in such unity in the days to come. Let me close by simply saying thank you. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. It is a privilege to serve you, and it is a joy to serve with you. Let me close in prayer.
Most gracious and loving Father, all good gifts are from you. And we come to you this morning looking to you with thanksgiving. We thank you for doing a work in and through this body in such a way that is impacting lives. You have saved us. You have redeemed us. You have brought us into your household. You have given us this precious church that we might grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we might use our gifts to help every other person in this body grow as well. And so I pray that you would help us to be faithful to that calling. Empower us. We need you each and every day. And so we come to you now, and I commit this precious family into your hands, and I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.